The following discussion is not necessarily the views of all involved. The goal is to start open and honest discussion in the Christian worldview. Like all things, weigh what you hear with what you know and join us in our pursuit for the truth. Enjoy the podcast. If you ever want to find a wife, go find Shaquille O'Neal and try and deck him. <laughs> and who do you get to play the Goliath? Just rock. You get hit in the head and then do that little, like, eyebrow thing. <laughs> if you've ever been looking for a sign in your life of what God wants you to do, it's a nine hundred Kill this man. All right, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Second Rate Saints podcast. I'm one of your hosts here, Caleb. To my left is... I am Joshua, and to my left is... I'm Joel, and to my left... It's me, Caleb, again. We are missing Colton, and as per the norm, we are missing Stuart. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Stuart. Big sad. Pretty soon you'll get him on eventually, maybe for our 100th episode. (laughs) That'd be awesome. I'm, I'm excited for when that happens. Joel... Do we do things on the internet? Well, just the other week we passed 50 episodes, which I think we should be proud of ourselves. I think this might actually be like 53 or whatever. <laughs> we completely blew by it without really mentioning <laughs> it. But yeah, we've proved ourselves that we're pretty consistently putting stuff online, right? We've got this episode that's coming out um, now that we're about to record, which I'm very excited for. But also we're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We have our, our website. Um SecondRateSaints.com, which, you know, that one wasn't taken when we were looking for domains. So, yeah, no, I, I think you could uh, easily say we are doing things online, Caleb. Yeah, thank you for that. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, who, who's read? Josh is read. Joel, do you know I've, how to read? Or Sorry. Josh, do you know how to read? Josh, what have you read? What have I read? I read a book called The Slaves of Tenenbrae. Um, Stuart will know What's this book called? immediately. The Slaves of Tenenbrae. Okay. Um, it is a a friend's mother wrote this book, and it's get, it's been published. Uh, and she was handing it out to a bunch of people and asking for them to read it to get like um feedback for like the sequel and like oh, yeah. is it good and should she continue writing and stuff like that. Um. Anyways, it's a good. It's 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 got some inspiration from C.S. Lewis. It's got some inspiration inspiration from other like teenage books where it's is, like is that it's the target? heroine is like in a horrible situation, gets pulled out, ends up becoming the hero. Blah 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 blah. Mm. Um, it's very allegorical to the Bible, which is cool. Um, yeah, it's what's its target demographic? Is that young teens? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And like, it's going to be like a Christian audience if it's Mm. stuff like that. Um, Yeah. How many pages? It's, I can't read uh, like 210. I can't Uh, read. Tell me about this book you read. (laughs) Can you expand on when you said it's allegorical to the Bible? You don't need to be specifically for this book, but I want to know what you, as a critique of a book, what is allegorical to the Bible mean? Okay. So, if you're if you've read Narnia, um, there are characters that have direct correlations to characters in the Bible, mm. or scenes within the book have direct correlations mm-hmm. to the Bible. So, for example, Aslan 
and his whole spoilers for Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe right here. Aslan, the leader of this nation that's good, comes and helps this other people group, ends up giving himself in sacrifice for this one person on this stone table. Uh, the major villain kills him, and then he comes back, and he resurrects after Mm -hmm. and he's cooler and he comes back and kills everybody. Um, And then she's like, but how, why, how did you do that? And he's like, don't speak I was, some deep magic to me, which yeah, this yeah. is just turning into reviewing Narnia. But. Yeah, and so it's like that's obviously the cross moment. Aslan is <gasps> Jesus; he Whoa. does the whole thing. The witch is Satan. It's it's there's this obvious parallel, um, and then the last book of Narnia has the final battle, and then the world is righted and all that stuff, um, similar to Revelation and the end of all things and the recreation of the world. In this one, it's like the first half. So there'll be a second book where the second coming of Jesus happens. In this one, Jesus is a guy named Liam from this other kingdom called Caleb. So Liam Neeson, who plays Aslan. No, but yes. And then Liam in this book (laughs) is Jesus. Uh, No, so in this one, he's a (laughs) prince of a kingdom. And he's he's a soldier. And he rescues slaves from this underground kingdom called Tenebrae. That's um, cool. Underground kingdom, you said? Yeah. Yeah, so there's like, a, that. there's like a kingdom underground. Is it like Agartha? No. <laughs> oh, Don't no. make this bad. <laughs> Is it like the kingdom of Agartha? Anyway, no. If you've ever read The Mistborn, it's kind of like that, where it's like it's very dark. This girl's a slave in this really mm. corrupt kingdom um, run by bad nobles, and they're at war with the surface, which is just another bad kingdom. Um mm. And this faraway kingdom, Caleb, is uh, trying to help everybody. And the, this, all the soldiers are basically angels. So, Josh. Yes. I have to ask you. Yes. Even though it's your cover. friends. Yep. What's the cover? Uh, so this was a test cover. So, you know, don't don't hurt me. But it's like a two out of five. Okay. It's, it's the first test cover for the books. And... What was the title and who wrote it? Is it on? Is it's it for sale? The Slaves of Tenebrae by R.J. Jewell. Um, I don't know if it's for sale yet. Okay. But yeah, it's good. Hi, everyone. Stuart here. I'm jumping in with a small correction. The Slaves of Tenebrae is a debut novel by R.J. Jewell and is currently for sale through Amazon.com. You can purchase this five-star book as a hardcover or softcover for $20 or $15, respectively. The link for this book will be in the description for anyone interested. Back to the episode. Wow. So this is a check-in just to make sure that Josh has read something because you guys can't buy it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, if you want to borrow it, you can read it. (laughs) Yeah, just stop by Josh's house. (laughs) My goodness. I'm about to dox you, Josh. So if you were going to fight a big, tall man, what would you guys use? A book. Anyways, this is our David and Goliath episode. What? A gun? Hit him from range. Yeah. That's foreshadowing for later. <laughs> yeah, David has a gun. Dude, David with the gun would have been a madness. Let's talk about that a little bit later. Let's introduce the topic. <laughs> no, I actually have a point on that. Yeah. So. Um, Josh, can you do previously yes. on Samuel? Yes. So <laughs> previously on Samuel. on Samuel. That's a, can we do the, can we get hired to do the uh, HBO Kings of the Bible series? Dude, that'd be so awesome. That's a, a dream of mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just do the three kings, like three seasons, yeah. a season on each king. 
sorry, four seasons, two seasons on David, one season on Saul, one season on Solomon. And then that's it. We call it the United Kingdom. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what we covered last time, if you've been following along, was chapter 15 and 16 of First Samuel. Uh, Chapter 15 is the rejection of Saul as king. And uh, chapter 16 is the anointing of David and David's first appearance into the book of Samuel and the history books. Um, Saul downhill from here. (laughs) Um, So what we talked about last time was Saul... Uh, gets commanded by God to go and attack the Amalekites for all the evil they did when Israel was moving into Canaan with Moses. Uh, The Amalekites were evil and attacked them like a pack of wolves taking off the stragglers and the weak sections as they were falling because they weren't, uh, you know, honorable enough to just fight them head on. Yeah. Um, And so because they were, you know, losers, and all the horrible things they did, God was like, hey, we, you're, you're removing them. Uh, he doesn't. He keeps the king alive and all their stuff, even though God said devote everything that breathes to destruction. He, specifically the good, like, fatted stuff. He yes. devotes the weak to destruction, which yes. might be a nod back to earlier in the book yeah. when it's like um, Eli's two sons take yes. the fat. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Take God's glory. Yeah. No, no, no. You're absolutely correct there. Um, and so Samuel gets told by God. Samuel cries for the night because he's just so sad that the the king they finally have is turning out bad. Um, and so he goes over. He ridicules Saul for a while with a message from God. <laughs> for a while. <laughs> and then he kills Agag, the king of the Amalekites. Chop him up into little bits. Um And Saul is removed as king, though he is not, though the people are not told that he's removed from king. God has rejected him as king because he still has to be king until the next guy comes on board. Um, And so that leads us to chapter 16, which is David and his anointing. And Samuel gets told to go to a guy named Jesse's house, who he's a fairly rich man in Bethlehem. He's the descendant of Boaz from our section on Ruth, uh, or if you've read the Bible in that section, it tells you at the very end. Um, so he goes there and he's told to crown anoint one of Jesse's sons. Samuel goes through from the oldest to the youngest, assured that God would pick each one as he passes on to him. And then God gives a little lesson to Samuel and says, Hey, I don't look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. And finally, the last, the youngest son, David is picked. And it ends with David becoming Saul's personal uh, soother of the mind. Music man. Music man. When Free bird. The, when the bad spirit that God has sent uh, to Saul in replacement of his spirit um, torments him. David is the one that soothes him. The um, one who has God's spirit. The one who has God's spirit. And so... He leaves him, but then shortly comes back very quickly. Uh, and that leads us to the one of the most well-known Bible stories in history um, and in culture and potentially the most epic. 
it's up there for the ringing. And that's chapter 17, David V. Goliath. Well, that's like one of the most popular Bible stories maybe ever. How much would you pay to watch a pay-per-view of the fight? Here's the thing. It like goes one round. Oh, yeah. So did most of Mike Tyson's. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit like how much would you pay for like one guy getting shot? <laughs> Five dollars. <laughs> That's, <kind of> <laughs> That's well, no, and then his yeah. head getting cut off by his own sword. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> oh man, this <laughs> took a dark turn. <laughs> Still doesn't feel like something I want to watch though. But it sounds more like something you see browsing through the internet. There's, whoa, yeah. <laughs> that's enough internet for the day. But yeah, so <laughs> the the story of David v. Goliath is renowned. It hits all the markers. It's a great fight. It's 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 an underdog story of small man fights professional soldier. It's got the like the same hallmarks of like powerful man doesn't listen to faithful fool you won't believe what he does next <laughs> right uh the guy who knows better who's been king for forever is a coward but the guy who shows up yeah. for two seconds is like all we got to do is believe in god <laughs> and then kills the enemy giant yeah right it's it's got that same hallmark of like this is it for israel like if this goes poorly israel goes poorly um and this is also like one of those moments where it's like God has been working in the scene in the background outside of everybody's view. And then his like Trump card shows up last minute and just like, and he's done this a couple times in the Bible and he does later on, mm -hmm. but this is one of the most well-known he's been preparing this guy for five generations since the book of Ruth. And then all of a sudden, boom on the scene. Yeah. Takes command. Yeah. So I guess I should just start reading it. That'd be good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle and they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah and encamped between Soko and Azekah in Ephes Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the Valley of Ella and drew up in line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines, a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span or nine and a half feet. He had a helmet of bronze on his head and he had armed with a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had a bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung around his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. His shield bearer went down before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not a servant of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now let's stop there and yeah. cover some of those. Because yeah, there was a lot. Yeah. There was, but that was a natural like break. 
break. Yeah. Um, interesting note. The uh, Ephrus Daminum. Yep. You, there's a couple ways to take that. People often do take it to mean like some sort of town, mm-hmm. but it can be read as um, border of bloodshed or bloody border. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this may be like a reoccurring kind of... This is a place where battles happen. Yeah, this is a place where yeah. they People often meet. fight. Like eventually the... Uh, Mars Hill. Or the uh, the Valley of Jezreel. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Which is another place where battles happen. Or uh, Haramagedo. Um, Magneto? No, uh, was it where Armageddon. Armageddon. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Armageddon is the cool. Greek um, transliteration of Armageddon. Um, yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about his height then. <laughs> I want to talk about it. Yeah, because yeah, the Subtuagent is different than the Masoretic text. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah, Subtuagent is six feet, six inches. Oh. Yeah, which is what Josephus has. Hmm. Yes. If my memory is right. Which would still be gigantic for for those people at that time. For Huge. those people at that oh, time. yeah, because um, the tallest of the tall were 5'5", five five, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, yeah in, in a place where height is not common and they're malnourished. Yeah. 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 Well, I think we mentioned this in our last episode, but there's something going on um, right back in Genesis 6 that talks about, like, the Nephilim, okay. right, being giants. Okay, I'm going to bring it up it, because I think, no, I think if there's ever a story it's relevant, it might be this one. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm just going to put this book down. Um, so I know that Michael Heiser brings it up in his book, and I yes. know you've read that as well, Josh, have you? Yes. Yeah. Um, this could be a way of signaling to the audience that not necessarily that he's large in stature, but possibly of demonic influence, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty cool. Um, but it also shows a, a continuous um, purging of Canaan because mm-hmm. since they have just recently arrived, like the Philistines haven't been around for a long time yet. Like it, they're not quite the um, natives of Canaan. They're, they've they're been around of, almost as long as Israel yeah. at this point. Yeah. They've yeah. kind of grown up in, in parallel. With this other nation. One on the coast Um, and one on the mountains next to the coast. Yeah. And that has something to do with them coming from from the Aegean. Um, Yeah. And and you can tell that because of their armor, um, which is pretty cool. They seem to be left behind um, when Israel becomes a nation because when when Israel essentially starts learning how to use steel, they Mm -hmm. don't. And probably a technological advancement, which is actually a reason um, that I think Jordan Peterson gives for why this story uh, is important at all is because it's actually the conquest of civilization where David is representing the, the more modern man and Goliath is the old man. Mm. Um, and that it's through technology, i.e. the sling that uh, the battle is won. Rah. <laughs> um, rah. No, that's, that's, that's what he takes from yeah, it. That's okay. Um, I, I, I disagree I with that. Anyways, that. it's a whole thing. I think the Nephilim are interesting and should be read into this story. Yeah. So Any let's, thoughts? let's break down the Nephilim. Okay. So the Nephilim, um, in Genesis six are half angel, half humans, um, from the description of the story, which is, that's the only passage where we get that description of them, that the sons of God had children with daughters of women that is taken in 
extra biblical sources like the book of Enoch to be actual 16 foot tall giants. Um, in the biblical text, sons of God can also be in reference to a king. Yeah, I don't think it's that one to one. Um, I think that's a, a pretty simple explanation of the of the Nephilim. Um, and that's the only description given of them. Even when it says knew the daughters of man, there's um, some linguistic arguments that say the the no is the uh, the same as that, that sexual union, right? Yep. But it it actually is something more to do with influencing the child, right? Mm. That it's still a natural birth, but with the influence of the demonic, yeah, um, which hmm. is something else. Yeah, I don't Interesting. know. Interesting. Yeah, well, um, and yeah, which deals with like the biologics of it. Um, mm-hmm. but. Yeah. So if you if you're going full, uh. Okay, and why does this tie back in? Is because when they are first scouting out the land of, of mm-hmm. Canaan, they say these are descendants of the Nephilim. Or, yeah. Um, Specifically, there's a new word referred to them called the Rephaim, which are a yes. group of people that were amongst the Canaanites that were known specifically for being taller. Mm-hmm. And Solomon, King Solomon later on is the last person. He destroys them. Yeah. And so he's he ends that like that giant theme or that height related to the demonic mm-hmm. theme because he he secures the border. Took three kings and four hundred years of judges to mm-hmm. finally fulfill the command. So another interesting yeah. thing about the Philistines that is related to this, because they are not just likely, but very likely related to the Sea people coming from the mm-hmm. Aegean, mm-hmm. Um, they're proto Greeks, right? And one yes. of the things in Greek culture was that champion battle system, right? Mm-hmm. For anybody who's seen Troy or read Homer, yeah, you know Achilles versus Hector, this yeah. type of stuff. Yeah. That's the cultural background. Or Achilles in the in the beginning of the movie, it opens up with a champion battle, Achilles versus Brutus, yes, which is an obvious. They're they're taking that story, which they they're using that as an example. To disc- they're using David and Goliath because the guy's a giant mm-hmm. in the fight, which is a reference to David and Goliath, which is a reference to Greek culture, which is a cool. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that, that's the, the background of, mm-hmm. of why they would do this, what's going on in that, in that challenge. Um, but they are still distinct from Greeks. There's yeah. not this development. They really only have three gods we know of. It's yeah, not like they. No, I, I, I'm aware that this, this, yeah. they're proto-Greeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Well, yeah, that's, like, that's what I call to them. what degree are they Greeks then? I know um, it's because they come down from maybe the, Crete. No, they they share they share many cultural and even uh, um, how can I say it? Architectural things. Their okay. boats. Yeah, their mm-hmm. much of their armor. They yeah. share. A, there's there's cultural and like physical. Yeah, things that are that tie them to that group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they share stuff, yeah, such so. as champion culture. Totally. Yeah. And so the Sea Peoples, which the Philistines are a part of, were a confederation of people groups that lived in the Mediterranean Sea that had aspects of them that, depending on the region that they were, that there were there were different groups of them in different parts of the Mediterranean, and different groups of them shared 
different levels of cultural relations with the culture that they were in and had been to. So the Philistines, this one group of sea peoples shared a lot with Greeks and the uh, Canaanites. Canaanites, whereas there were Philistine, there were sea peoples that they found in the last 30 years that were, there's a mass grave of them in Scandinavia, right? Scandinavia, yeah. where they fought the Vikings. Yeah. And there's a group of as far south as halfway down the continent of Africa yeah. on the Atlantic coast. Well, and it's in Carthage, they have the same yeah. gods as some of the Philistines. Yes. Puzzled people for a long, long time. And then it was like, oh, Carthage was likely also settled by. Well, not only do they have some of the same gods as the Philistines, Hannibal, the one who had the long war with. uh, Elephants over the Alps. Yeah. uh, With uh, Rome. Punic Wars. He worshipped Moloch Mm -hmm. from the Canaanites. And so that god had been somehow carted to specifically that area of the Mediterranean without being worshipped on the coast along. Yeah. Um, and so there was, there was a transfer of technology, culture and religion from this group called the sea peoples. They attacked Mm -hmm. Egypt. They had wars with other people groups. They were considered to be the downfall of many bronze age civilizations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like a lot of historians will uh, propose like a diaspora from their, their point of origin. Um, because of uh, they, they actually don't know, right? Yeah. Like there seems to be either a natural disaster or some kind of famine or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's also interesting that in Amos, it posits that God led them out of the land that they were in. Specifically um, the Philistines. Specifically the Philistines. Yeah. Not, not the Aegeans. Or not the CP. But people. I mean, as yeah. people who believe in sovereignty, we kind of go, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Now likely he led them out to judge Israel in the same way he did like Cyrus the Great and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, so all of that being said, mm-hmm. we're left to this place where the Philistines, who we've mentioned before, this is the yeah. same group that Israel fought where they brought out the Ark of the Covenant and it got lost. Mm-hmm. This is the same group of people that later on David is going to join with mm-hmm. when he's on the run from Saul. Uh, the Philistines are going to have a long history with Egypt. Sorry, with Israel. Mm-hmm. This constant conflict because yeah. they share a massive border with each other. Do, do you find it interesting that... Goliath, right at the very end there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's right at the very end. He mentions, no, it's not at the very end. He mentions Saul in verse eight, right? Yeah. He knows Saul by name, right? He's basic. He's kind of calling him out, really. Oh, yeah, it's, no. it's the whole thing is he's calling out their big warrior, their great warrior, right? Their king. Yeah. Who is a head taller than all the other ones? Who's a head mm-hmm. taller, noticed for his height, who is being called out for being evil, which is continuing with that mm-hmm. taller evil. Yeah. Um, yeah. They wanted a King who looked like other Kings. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's gone against, to your point, he's yeah. been empowered by the Holy spirit and gone out to fight mm-hmm. and defeated other groups, including the Philistines. Mm-hmm. And so they, they know him, they be, know him because of his prowess. Yeah. And this guy won't step out of the camp cause he's a coward now. Yeah. Yeah, because this guy who's taller than him is calling him out. So they said the shaft of the spear is like a weaver's beam. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a debate over whether that should be um, translated as spear or sword, because that type of uh, weapon 
mm-hmm. it would have had a broad blade on it. Isn't that cool? It would have been like <laughs> a huge, like basically a great sword is what yeah. he has, but um, like the bronze age version of a great sword. So because he, he is mentioned as having a sword later on. Yeah. Well, that's the argument is, is yeah. that the same weapon? Well, here's the thing. So how, how, how thick is a weaver's beam? Did you figure that out? No. Um, no, I, I couldn't figure out exactly what it was. I think it's um, Joyce Baldwin who talks about it. Okay. Do we, do you have anything? No. Cause we should look <laughs> that up because the Greeks were known for having particularly long spears compared to the Middle East. I don't think the sea peoples had phalanxes. Hmm. As in all of my research, I have not come across that. Let's the phalanx is like a like a Greek a um, proper Greek. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, the you're right, but they might have carried over the spears, um, because the spears gave them the advantage of the longer reach, so they didn't have to get as close into battle. Oh, sorry, it's a flat curved blade like a sickle. So the weaver's blade has more to do with like. Or like a like a weaver's rod has more to do with the blade than it does with the actual rod itself. Okay, so it's so, like basically it seems like he has like a, a scythe, like a scythe or something like that. <laughs> well, well, it's a it's probably similar to an Egyptian kopesh. Yeah, yeah, probably um, something like which that. is the it's like straight and then there's like a half moon. It looks crescent, like moon and stuff, then there's yeah. another yeah thing at the end. Um, and that's good for uh, slicing. That's the reason for the curve. Same as scimitars. The reason for the curve is because it cuts through easier. So. Oh, like a weaver's beam also refers to how it would have been carried like a sling. So it would have had a rope on it that he put around his back. So that's what weaver's beam means. Okay. But the the blade itself would have been like a scythe. Yeah. So he's got a glaive. Something like that. I don't know what he's. He's scary guys. Yeah. But um, standard, uh, like a standard warrior for them would have actually carried two spears, one in each hand yeah. to defend while standing on the chariots, which is just such a weird yeah. thing to do. Also, um, if he's nine and a half feet tall and you do the size up of the armor and the spear yeah. and his weapons, he's walking around fully armored at 900 pounds. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like the style of armor at his height, at his size. Assuming it's at its normal. Yeah. yeah. Plus his like nine and a half feet, like you're 400 pounds oh walking around at that height. Like Andre the Giant's normal weight. He was eight feet tall, mm-hmm. was 350. Hmm. Like, so he's walking around at like 400, 415 pounds without armor. And then the armor to cover that body mass. It's like another 400 pounds. So the stat that I read was the standard weight would have been closer to 129 pounds. Just for the for like an average person. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For the average person. But you're talking about a nine and a half foot tall man. When you scale up, because like you're not just like adding, you know, four feet onto a person. You're also adding the thickness and the muscle required mm-hmm. because like people with giantism, this is the thing. If he's nine and a half feet tall, he doesn't just have giantism because once you get past eight feet tall, your the distance between your elbow to your shoulder mm-hmm. is too long for muscles to hold taut and they go loose. That's why a lot of people with giantism can't lift very heavy mm. things. Um, and so for him to be able to carry that kind of armor, at nine and a half feet tall, he can't just have giantism. 
He's got demon blood. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Man, every time I look at David and Goliath, I feel like I find something else that's weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's so either Josephus is correct. Mm-hmm. Well, or the or and the Septuagint. And the Septuagint is correct, which is two out of three. <laughs> um or he was ha- he was descendant of Nephilim. Or it's exaggerated. Well, no, that's right. what I mean. Is that it's, but the Septuagint's yeah. translation would have been yep. much later, um, and then the story takes place. The commentary that I was reading by um, V. Phillips Long, he makes a he points out how um, the Septuagint actually omits several of the problematic, pl- problematic, and interesting points of the entire thing. It cuts it down quite significantly. Mm. Yeah. So it appears as though like the translators of the Septuagint were like, this is wild. I don't really know what to do with this. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some, there'll be a couple of interesting things here and there will be where the Septuagint took like a, this approach rather than this approach. Um, I don't know if Mm -hmm. we'll list them, but yeah. But yeah, this guy is wild. He's a menace. Like imagine going up against this thing. Again, I understand Saul. (laughs) Yeah, I understand all of Israel. Like, like, sure, one guy in camp is probably like, guys, if we all go out at the same time, you can't take us all. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing. In Canaanite culture, the champion thing is not common. No. No. Like, it, apparently there's only a few instances of it even happening, which makes um, the idea that this is a copied story much more unlikely, actually. Um, mm-hmm. Just, there yeah, is another that, character that does this. Yeah, and and there is argument there mm-hmm. um, whether David has kind of a propagandist kind of take where he's like, oh, well, at least that Israel. was one of my soldiers, yeah. so I'm able to take credit for what he yes. did. And yeah. that's a little weird. Um, yeah. The, the Talmud goes with that. Yeah. Yeah. But Tal- Talmud goes with a lot of stuff. Though. Yeah, I know. So this is wild. Okay, so I'm going to read the next section. Now, David was the son of the Ephrathite of Bethlehem in Judah named Jesse, who had eight sons. In the day of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle. And the names of the three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and next Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistines came forward and took his stand morning and evening. That's another interesting connection to Noah. It rained 40 days and night, day and evening. Do you think that has to do directly with Noah? Or um, do you think it has more to do with 40 being a number of wholeness? So it's basically like he's been doing this forever. (laughs) Yeah. And the... The wilderness wandering, Goliath's name means to go into exile, both the wilderness wandering and the 40 years, the, 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 um, the flood are examples of judgment via a form of exile, the going out and then coming back. Okay. It's giving you the same vibe. Like it's, I think it's using those kind of images in a singular story. Okay. Like like in a one-to-one person story to describe 
to like the individual that it's, yes, this is a one-on-one battle, but this is a serious event that requires God's intervention, so to speak. Yeah, I think I could agree with that, but I don't know if I would say it's directly referencing those stories. No, it's using the imagery of an exile story. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I can yeah. agree with that. And the reason the for that is significance yeah. is that 40 is a number of completion. Yes. Right, that, that, that is the entirety of it. Um, yes. What do you think of the um, argument in verse 12 when it gets into this? It goes, now David... David was the son of an Ephrathite of Beth of Bethlehem in Judah. We already know this, mm-hmm. right? And so what I read in at least a little bit in one commentary was the whole, hey, this account might be from a different source. Yes. Okay. The fact that it's double downing on, yeah, we know he's an Ephrathite from Bethlehem. Why is it? Well, yeah, because mm-hmm. the chapter right before has already introduced David. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jesse and the sons. So one of them might be that um, Ephrathite or whatever that is a um, position of military authority in Bethlehem. Um, So it could be time directly to being like basically deployed by the military strategist of Bethlehem. Um, That's one thing I read from Joyce Baldwin. Don't Mm -hmm. know how much it holds up now. Uh, Her stuff is a bit older, but she is a great historian. What is she? 70s? 80s? Uh, 72 or something for her stuff um, on Samuel, but she also does stuff on Daniel and a bunch of other commentaries. But this also, the reintroduction of David also goes to your point that you made in the last episode that the David in uh, Saul's service Mm -hmm. section, where it describes him as a man of war and stuff like that, even though he hasn't been to war yet, is a, it takes place after the David I, and Goliath. I event. think so. However, however, in verse fifteen, but David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Yes, but that's because Saul's. That's because his brothers are with Saul. Yeah, and so it's kind of like yeah, he's. This probably is not his first time running an errand for his dad to bring food. Oh, okay. I'll read this next section because you've jumped to it. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> is there more we wanted to say? I think, I think we need more. Um. Yeah, no, I'm I'm just reading on my uh, Ephrathite <laughs> note to make sure. Okay. And Jesse right. said to his to David, his son, take for your brothers an ephah of this parched grain and these ten loaves and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers and take these ten cheeses to the commander of their thousand. See if your brothers are well and bring some token from them. Yeah, so the, I mean, cheese is cool. Is that the first time cheese is mentioned in the Bible? Probably not. I don't think so. I feel like there's something in Genesis about cheeses. <laughs> maybe. A biblical theology of cheese, if you will. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. One of the interesting things, now is, uh, things to note is with the token stuff, mm-hmm. um, that may not just be like a token from them, the brothers. It could be a token from the commanding officer to prove that Jesse is supplying the food for the soldiers that he's committing. Mm. So it's like a food program to help this. But then he gets a token of it. Yeah. He gets a token to prove that. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, the IRS giving you a, Hey, yeah, no, you paid your taxes. Here's a letter. Yeah. If anybody asks, show them the letter. (laughs) 
That's pretty cool. If anybody asks whether or not you're helping to fund the war, Mm -hmm. yeah, here's that token that was given to you. Hmm. Okay. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Ella fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to battle to the battle line, shouting the war cry and Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle army against army. And David left the things in the charge of a keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion of the Philistines of Gath, Goliath by name came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel and the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way. So shall it be done to the man who kills him. Free in Israel also means, uh, speaking how I brought up the IRS, uh, no taxes. Yes. That's what it means. So what's interesting about that is that is specifically the in killing Goliath, the benefit that he gets, like enriching the man, giving him his daughter Mm -hmm. and not paying taxes is the reversal of the thing that God said Saul would do when he becomes king Mm -hmm. of the, Hey, when you want a king, he's going to, you're going to have to pay taxes. He's going to take your sons and blah, 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 blah. And the, the reward for killing Goliath is that thing that he's doing to the people is not applied to you. Yeah. And it's also, I've heard it articulated that way as in like, yeah. he is not over you in that kingly type oppressive mm-hmm. fashion, uh, fashion anymore. But I've heard it also as you are then almost brought into the Royal family. Yes. Yeah. Right. And that would be the, the marrying of the, yeah. the daughter mm-hmm. would seal that specifically, but also the enrichment and the yeah. not paying taxes. It's almost if that's God's, plan to legally make him king. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to wonder bring from him David, into Saul's family, right? From David's angle a little bit too. He's like, Hey, you're going to be King Solomon or yeah. uh, Samuel anoints him, right? Oh, I should marry the guy's daughter. And then, then it's just like, Oh, he's offering to marry his daughter. Hmm. And I get, hmm. <laughs> Maybe this is how and my do dad it. doesn't have to pay taxes. Is God opening a door? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you've ever been looking for a sign in your life of what God wants you to do, it's a ninth. Nine hundred pounds. Kill this man. If you ever want to find a wife, go find Shaquille O'Neal and try and deck him, and that will get you a wife. Anyways, David marries the president's daughter. Yeah, man. <laughs> never, never mind. That's that could be a good premise for a movie. <laughs> you know, what? I think if you could put a modern spin, Joe on the Biden David, isn't going to go fight Shaquille O'Neal, so he says anybody who kills Shaquille O'Neal can marry Hunter Biden. <laughs> I don't know if Hunter Biden. I guess so. Uh, that's that's a terrible movie now. What is happening? That here? has a terrible rating. Yeah. Anyways, we've uh, devolved. Cut this out. What do you mean cut this out? <laughs> 
We're not Biden into it. We're in Canada, dude. I don't know. What are you talking about? Not my president. Okay. Yeah. So he, he's like, David's like, hey, what's the, what's happening? Why is nobody killing this guy? He's yeah. He's bad mouthing God. He goes, hey Saul, I beat the tar out of a bear once. That's that's coming. That's coming. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, David's David's uh, angry. Yeah. Why, why is nobody doing something? This guy's saying bad things about God. Kill him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We serve the living God. What's up with this? Yeah. You guys are just standing around, letting God get, letting God and the nation getting. I brought you cheeses. <laughs> yeah, I brought you cheese, and you and you dishonor me by standing next to this man. You guys find it interesting that the cheeses are for the commanding officer, not the sons. Yeah, and they get grain. <laughs> it's it's because Jesse's obviously trying to like like hey, warm his way into. Yeah, don't 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 put them in the front lines. <laughs> his kid is already king, though. Maybe, maybe not yet. Maybe, maybe not if it's yet. In the wrong order. And again, the chronology of First yeah. Samuel is wild to me. Yeah, it's for the theological point. Okay, now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, "Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption of the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle." And David said, "What have I done now?" What is it not but a word? And he turned away from him towards another, and he spoke in the same way, and the people answered him again as before. I love that little... His older brother's just like, stop trying to be a hero. You're a bad person. You left the sheep. And he's yeah. like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> be quiet. You're a bad person. Someone's making fun of God in front of you. Yeah, I don't yeah. see you defending God. And then he turns to talk to ask the other person the same question. It's it's everyone's in a Bible. Every everyone's in a Bible. Everyone's in a while. The Bible just gets really real. Like it's not like like it. The Bible is like a produced theological point, and then every once in a while, there's just this super real, relatable yeah, response. Brutally human. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. There, there was that in in chapter fifteen with the whole like, "Hey, we did everything that you needed," and then. Samuel, what's with the sheep then? Huh? <laughs> we yeah. killed everything. Hey, well, then why do I still hear sheep? <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Whoever wrote Samuel, maybe Samuel, is uh, probably not, though. No. Excluding the death of Samuel. <laughs> you're right. <And> onwards. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, this dude's awesome. <laughs> like He's getting all the best parts. I think um, I know why he wrote it, though. Because David's for cool. profit. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Back to the book. Oh no. Okay, so <laughs> when the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, "Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine." And Saul said to David, "You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth." And he has been a man of war from his youth. I, I actually like that line. Like, you're yeah. a child, and he's been fighting since he was a child. Here's, here's the thing. It also puts up this ex expectation. So will David. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Got to start sometime, right, Saul? <laughs> but David said Atta to boy. Saul. <laughs> Get out there. <laughs> but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his 
father. And when there came a lion or a bear or took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. So what Doom a- music starts playing. <laughs> yeah. He pulls a sling out of his back pocket. The, uh, the Subtuagent does an interesting little translation. It gets a little more direct with the whole, hey, um, let no one lose heart. Your servant will go out and fight. It, it translates it, let my Lord not lose heart. <laughs> like a little more direct. And like, hey, stop being a bitch. I got this. <laughs> Well, now we have to edit that out. No, no, edit that out, please. (laughs) Thank you. Just the end part. Um, You said the word. That was the problem. We've said it before. No, we haven't. Not that one. We. I'm right, though. You're right. (laughs) Stop being somebody weak. I really hope he catches that. Anyways. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like, how awesome is that response? First of all, like Saul's right. I'm not letting a. You, I'm not letting a 16 year old boy go out and fight this giant on the behalf of all Israel. And if you die, we're all slaves. Yeah. No. Yeah. And also, <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. Also, even if one of them dies, as we'll see, yeah, they go out and chase them anyway. It's yeah. not, it's not a, but it would be demoralizing. Yeah. No, but this is what I mean. It's like souls. Like this is another case where Saul is doing something completely reasonable. It's just not what God wants at the moment. Yeah. And, and so like, he's acting like a good King right here. Right. Yes. He's a coward, but he's also wise enough to know that I shouldn't send a 16 year old boy to go fight a man of war. Who's also potentially demon empowered. Do you think the reason Saul is not going out there is because he no longer had, like he knows he no longer is right with God. I think so. That he fears like losing. Because he knows his days are numbered. Mm. And is it is it today? It it also might like it could be fear, because that has been that has been the pattern of his life. And now he's being given over to that to do it. It could also be that at this moment, because he has the, the harmful spirit, mm. he's not equipped to go to battle. Yeah. Like he can't go. It could be. Um in the other case, it could be that, yeah, like he he knows that he's been rejected as king. And so he knows that he's not empowered by the spirit. And he was only successful because of God anyways. And he recognized that too late. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So, but. What verse did you get up to? Up to 37. I can't continue. Because um, we are getting to the good part. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor and he, and he tried in vain to go for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these for I have not tested them. So David put them off. 
Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. Okay. That's so cool. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's an interesting, there's an interesting note. Um, in 37 and 38. Yeah. Saul dresses David as a king. He puts on the kingly armor, mm-hmm. right? The one who's anointed as king. Yeah. Right. And then he also says, um, he also says, go and the Lord be with you, which is what Saul is supposed to have as king. Yeah. The Lord is with him into battle. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it's, it's funny that Saul technically becomes the armor bearer to David. Yeah, but he, the the Lord's anointed king, mm-hmm. right, um, who the spirit is with as king, is dressed as a king. And then mm-hmm. the old one who, who no longer has the spirit of God mm-hmm. tells the new mm-hmm. anointed, God's spirit go with you. Yeah. It's just the irony is funny. Yeah. He figured it out too late. And he's kind of just kind of like Eli, right? He knows, he tells Samuel what to do. He says, don't, the Lord has given you a message. Give it to me. Cause if you don't, that's bad. Right. But uh-huh. this is also Eli who's stealing the glory from the Lord and letting his sons do this. Um, and is going blind because of it. And so he knows what's right. It's just too late. He keeps, mm-hmm. he keeps messing up. And he just, he's unwilling to pray the prayer mm. that he should. And same with Saul now, where he, he knows better. He's been rejected. He knows that he's been given the harmful spirit. The spirit's been taken from him. And he's just like, go with the Lord. Because he's the one that's going to make you successful. Because every time I try <laughs> on my own, it doesn't work. Um, so have you seen like how fast like a sling fires. Oh, slings are insane. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to find the exact, you don't, you don't need to bring up a YouTube video. It's okay. No, it's <laughs> uh, the audio. <laughs> uh, slings are insane. And also they could get extremely accurate. There's, there's a reason why they stayed in armies for quite some time. Yeah. Quite some time. Well, and um, you can get deadly accurate with them. Yeah. Which we shall see. And ammo is pretty plentiful. Yep, yep. Right. Like it's just, it is a higher level of technology. Yeah. Yeah. The reason why you would switch to arrows is for armor, for armor piercing yeah. stuff. Yeah. Armor. Um, the, what was the other example? Mass. Um, you can pinpoint, you can arch. Yeah. An arrow. Distance you can't that, yeah. do that with a sling. You can be, so like if you just have, 400 men with slings. The whole point of a sling is to hit the target directly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas you can't sling over a castle wall, over a fortification and have the rock drop on someone. It has to, you want an arrow to arc up and arc, come down. And so mm-hmm. it's, they have that advantage as well. And it's easier to fire an arrow from the back of a horse than it is. Also way less training. Yeah. Yep. Shall we get to the, to the battle? Get to the good part. Okay. okay. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? 
And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistines, you come to me with a sword and with spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of the hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with the sword and spear, but with the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hand. Mm. Man. Awesome. I would have crumbled so quickly. Like I'm going to serve your flesh to the birds. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then he's just like, I'm not going to serve yours. I'm going to serve your whole armies. <laughs> like Goliath must be laughing at this point. Oh yeah. So are we going to say anything about the, the sticks and the, Okay. Armor bear. Oh, the armor bear. Yeah. I don't know your point about that. Oh, it's oh. it's related. I don't believe it. However, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's it's good argumenting argumentative power. Um, one of the things with giantism mm-hmm. is poor eyesight. Mm. Right. So commentators will make the point that it's why. What's he comment talking about sticks? He has a staff and a sling. That's all he's got. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have multiple sticks. And there's a comment that maybe he never saw the sling, right? Maybe he can't see it because it is just like a leather strap thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Joel also is is, is, is not so happy with this. The but proof for it is giantism, which we've already covered, probably isn't the case. Yeah, because he has fine it's muscle something movement. to do with something demonic, maybe. Um, I think. Okay. Because, yeah. Um, it's also... It's also the only answer to the question as why on a one-on-one champion fight is an armor bearer present? That shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, unless the armor bearer is just there to... Probably in case when he kills David, if the Israelites try to get uppity and the... And try to just rush him with like 20 dudes before yeah. the army can surround him. Yeah. Maybe, but it seems weird that it'd be one dude. Yeah. Um, I don't think it has a lot of explanatory power. It's a theory. The referee. Goes around. You need a referee. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, cool. What are you trying to explain away there? Why uh, is there a armor bearer? To help or? him see. Help him, help him out. Interesting. Because he can't yeah. see... Well, the other he thing can't is, make stuff out, but he can like see a dude, but he can't make out definitions. And he's probably just smashing bad. people. He's yeah. not. So one of the reasons why care. he would why he would fight in champion warfare mm-hmm. is because he can just bonk. Yeah, <laughs> but, it, but in a big mess of battle, it would just be like he doesn't know who he's hitting. The other that's, thing that's is, what people say. Uh, I don't think it has strong argumentative power. So this is what's interesting is David says he specifically has a sword, a spear, and javelins. Mm-hmm. So he's throw. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. That's the, that is, it's wild. But then the sticks, he could be referring to just the stick that is his staff. Mm-hmm. David's staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, if he's got bad vision, he might be seeing multiple sticks. Yeah. Or he got drunk that morning. 
A lot of warriors get drunk before they go to battle. I like that that's a legitimate thing that you're putting <laughs> forward right now. I don't even think you're, I can't even say you're wrong. Cause it's like, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think that's what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Kay. I mean, he could easily have said, oh, you come at me with swords. Yeah. It's like the plural oh, doesn't yeah, yeah. really the plural indicate. doesn't mean there's plural. Yeah. yeah. He's like, you're I, fighting me with sticks? He might also be so taken aback that it's like, what, what is this? This is a boy. <laughs> this is a boy. I have multiple blades, thrown and close range. I'm cutting that staff up. Yeah. And you come at me with, with sticks? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay. Um, this is it. Also, they're gods. I thought this was yeah. interesting. Were Dagon, Ashura, and um, Baal... But specifically Baal Zebub, which yes. is Baal Zebub. Like yes. it's he's he's pretty emblematic of everything Israel hates at this point. Do you want to know what's interesting about that? Hmm. Baal Zebub. Do you know what it means? Um, doesn't it mean uh, Lord of the Flies? Yeah, yeah. So if you had to go to <clears throat> Canadian uh, school, you have to read the Lord of the Flies, the book. Yeah. So it's a it's yeah. a big book. Uh, for modern readers, a story that has the exact same plot that just totally ripped off Lord of the Flies is Maze Runner. Um, there's a yeah. movie on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it has the exact same story. Um, but Lord of the Flies, he talks to the beast in the wilderness. Satan, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Anyways, that is what it is. Yeah. Even though they all think he's like schizophrenic or whatever, it's he's yeah. Anyways, the battle. <laughs> Well, no, the thing I was going to bring up is Lord of the Flies. The Lord previously, when he went through those cities, mm-hmm. destroys them with pestilence. It destroys Dagon. Um, Ashura becomes kind of integrated, which is not great. Yeah. Um, but, but the then, fact that the Lord uses rats and pestilence and tumors mm-hmm. against Disease. a god called Lord of the Flies. Yeah. Yeah. Is. It feels a little uh, on Exodus. Point. Yeah. Um, Gods and kings. No. <laughs> the actual Bible story. Oh. <laughs> Prince of Egypt. <laughs> Without Christian Bale in it. Okay. So the battle. When the Philistines arose and came and drew near to meet David. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to David. David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet the Philistine. David And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah arose with a shout and pursued the Philistine as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded of the Philistines fell on the way from Sharem as far as Gath and Ekron. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. But he put his armor in his tent. Okay. Couple, couple points to note. Every time I have ever thought of this or read this, mm-hmm. I'd always assumed forehead. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's one thing. Hmm. Um, a you, couple commentators. Nose. No. Knee. Cause the Hebrew word for knee is forehead is mesa. Yeah. And just above the knee, 
the bronze greave that that thing that yeah. goes over your shin and whatnot um, is mish ah okay it's very very similar um, and their argument is <clears throat> excuse me there's two there's two points to that argument well one is the words are very similar so I guess there's three one is the words are extremely similar so they may have been yep changed yeah. a bit two um, he falls forward. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're having 900 some odd pounds or just crazy amount of pounds, yeah. like you're, you're loaded up to the nines, your knee goes out. You're generally going to fall forward, not backwards. Yeah. If you get hit in the forehead with something vast majority of the time you're falling backwards. Right. But he falls forward. Um, and then the third point is there's a lot and we'll get this right at the very end here too, but also what's referenced later on in the historical books and, and whatnot is David is attributed to killing Saul with the sword. Not Saul. Goliath. Goliath with the sword. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, did he die from the sling? And it, it, those things are tied together like so much. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So the idea is is that he hit him in the just above the knee. Yeah. It which, embedded into his knee, so it yeah, couldn't win. But which <laughs> would have at the speed of the sling would have kicked his leg out from underneath him. It like broke his, his knee in like multiple pieces. Yeah. He would have fallen forward. Maybe knocked himself out. Yeah, or by he's, hitting his or head he's on a covered rock. In so much armor that he, yeah, he's, he's like slow. struggling to get up. He's in and it says David pain. runs into battle. Yeah, and so it's possible that he's sprinting, throws it at his knee. Goliath falls forward. He runs up, grabs his ginormous sword, sword in its sheath, and quickly cuts off his head. Yeah, rather or than its forehead. And yeah. then it's just, boom, sneaks into his head. He falls. He wobbles, does the giant thing in every movie, and then falls and forward. And then falls forward. Yeah. And then he's just knocked out, maybe. And then. Yeah, that's a bit more pick and painless, but I, I think that there's something to be said with the knee thing. I've never heard that. Yeah. 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 Um, so when Phillips you guys long. first started this this conversation where you're like, I thought it was forehead, my thought was like, didn't he cut off his whole head and take it to the <laughs> And then you're like, no, it's his knee. I'm like, he took his knee? <laughs> I was very confused for a little bit. Yeah. And so, but it's also cool. You know, David uses this nine, which would have been a great sword for David. And what's cool is later when Saul is hunting after David, David goes to the temple and they have the, the, the tabernacle. Yeah. The quote unquote, not temple, but they call it a temple location. And they have Goliath's sword as a war trophy. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> and David goes and retrieves it and joins the Philistines as their like marauding champion with Goliath's sword, the other champion, mm-hmm. and is now being hunted by Saul, who's a coward and won't go there. And David replaces Goliath as the one that Saul is afraid of. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll cover that. That's going to be a wild time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it also could be proof that uh, Goliath kind of wasn't a Philistine because that position would have been held by somebody who wasn't. Right. And that would make sense why his name is Exile. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Meaning. He's the, he's the. He's Drax the Destroyer. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's <laughs> the, uh, he's the exiled one. Yeah. He's right. the one from out there that doesn't have a home. Yeah. He fights for us. Um, so they see their champion fall. They freak out. The Israelite army rushes in well, to chain. It's because chase this him. 16-year-old kid just walks up with nothing. 
doesn't look like a soldier talks down the champion, mm-hmm. right? Out threatens the champion and then kills him in two seconds. It, it also, he's just <laughs> bolting in, whips a stone at him. He falls near forehead. Doesn't matter. Chops his head off, lifts it up, and all of Israel goes, yeah! <laughs> it's like, Who is this kid? What? Yeah. yeah. This was not the plan. <laughs> it's just split second. Yeah. The battle, like, the fight is two verses. Yeah. It's kind of <laughs> anticlimactic. Yeah. I don't know. I think him cutting off the head and parading it around. Oh, that's, that's awesome. That's pretty climactic to me. Yeah. yeah, but it's just so small. The actual fight? Yeah. yeah. Right? The actual fight's like, oh, okay. It's not like a swing, dodge, roll, yeah. this, and then he jumps behind here. No, boom. Yeah. This is another point to your thing about how Saul doesn't know David yet, that the story's in the, the wrong order. Mm-hmm. It's because of what Saul says at the very end. Mm-hmm. Can, can, before we get there. Yes. Um, David takes... Saul's not. I keep saying Saul. Goliath's uh, Goliath's head to Jerusalem. Yes, he hasn't taken Jerusalem yet. Jerusalem is still a Jebusite city. Mm -hmm. Why would he take his head there? As far as I can tell, there's only two reasons. Either that's like he's. It's kind of like a like. There's some acronistic. Sorry, um, acronistic stuff going on out of out of order or David's already selected Jerusalem to be his city and he's bringing the head of his enemy to there to show them what's coming is that yours no that's also okay uh, v phyllis because the other uh, thing is Philip's long uh they're in Judah yeah so like they're not they're Near Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like the army chases after the Philistines to Gath and Ekron. Yeah. But he doesn't. He takes the head yeah. and goes to Jerusalem. Yeah. But the, the battle right now is near Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So it's it's there it's close to it. So it could just be that Israel has like they're in communication with the Jebusites who only have that city. Maybe. I I don't know. I find it interesting. Also yeah. <clears throat> the but, like, uh, do you know what I mean by that? Like they're in communication with Jebusites yeah. and the Jebusites are one of the other nations that is probably like, we don't have a problem with Israel at this point. Yeah. Let's just, you know, let's, let's ally with them. Let's let them. It, it's possible. S- stick around I, so that they can. I think it's, it's weird that before he takes mm-hmm. the city, there's a verse saying, Hey, he takes the head of a defeated champion to, to that city. Yeah. Before he takes it. Yeah. Um, Additionally, the whole thing where he he brings the head of the Philistine brought to Jerusalem and he put his armor in his tent. Yes. Um, What's kind of hinted is he probably just took Goliath's tent along with his armor and all his stuff. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. This is mine now. I mean, that is like we covered in the last episode. That's how you pay your troops. Mm -hmm. Right. And so think hmm? go. Oh, uh, so like it would have been pretty common practice for him to like, if he had killed a champion, he gets his stuff. Yeah. Here's the thing. Because right? David uses Goliath's sword later. Mm-hmm. Do you think David just gets Goliath's armor resized? I mean, he could probably make like three suits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But do you think David's just walking around with Goliath's armor and sword? 
Well, the sword is kept as a trophy. Yeah. But armor, maybe? Javelin, maybe? He might use a javelin as a spear. Yeah. Like, do you think... Like, like David completely takes this guy's life. <laughs> like, not just kills him. Takes everything he owns. Yeah. Uses it. Like, do you know how terrifying that would be? To walk... Like, everybody knows Goliath. Mm-hmm. He's just been a menace in the... For yeah. ge- Probably genera- like a generation. Mm-hmm. Everybody probably... Have you heard about well, that, that nine foot tall guy? We, we don't hear of him earlier. And if he is in exile, it's possible that the... That the yep. Uh, why can't I think of the name? The Philistines mm-hmm. got a mercenary exile. Yeah. Yep. But there is mention of him and people... You got an alarm going off? I think that's me. I don't... I don't know where my okay. watch is, though. Well, but David, Goliath is mentioned and a relative of his later on. So mm-hmm. he's not just mentioned in the story, and he's known enough that it makes a, like a, he left a significant marker outside of this battle. Right. In right. the land. Right. To be mentioned multiple times for different reasons. That's and cool. so David is just, has this guy's stuff now. Like that would be such a specifically big for tent. Saul, big tent, big tent. <laughs> yeah. But also for Saul to see this guy walk around with his stuff, the guy who you were terrified to go out and fight. And then yeah. this youth has got his stuff. Okay. Let's finish this uh, section. As soon as Saul saw David go out against the Philistines, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth. And Abner said, as your soul lives, O king, I do not know. <laughs> I don't know. And the king said, inquire whose son the boy is. And as soon as David returned from the striking down of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. It's not a, hey, I play music for you occasionally. Nope. So you feel better. They've never met. So the soothing probably comes later. Yeah. Yeah. That little section. But the, it's also interesting. It means that he brought the head to Saul and then he brought it to, Mm -hmm. so that means. On his way. On his way. So that means that David had a conversation with Saul. He's just carrying the head of this guy. just dripping on the ground. Into his camp, just dripping on the ground. And then Saul's like, David's like, okay, I'm going to go now. And then I'm taking the head with me. <laughs> like, Saul's, what are you, what's this kid doing? <laughs> it is interesting. He's like, it's my trophy kind of a thing. Now, here's the thing. This follows a story where Saul refused to kill the champion of a previous nation. Ah, champion king. King. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. But he, Which has also been related to the Rephaim or yeah. giants. Because the, the head of the Amalekites was a Rephaim. Yeah. And that's in where is that recorded? Uh that would be Judges. that would be earlier Judges. Israel Judges. That Amalek was um a descendant of the Nephilim. Okay. Um and so they have But it's never clear if it's propaganda or if it's like Mm-hmm. Right. If it's like these people were evil, like those people were mm-hmm. like, what do we mean by descendants? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
It's like weird mytho history thing. In the order of like yeah. kind of a But thing. the relationship is there yeah. that this Philistine and the Amalekites yeah. are connected to this demon people yeah. from before. Whether <laughs> However act- much that's articulated. Yeah. Okay. There's also like an offshoot in the Talmud that claims that um, Ruth's sister-in-law is the ancestor of Goliath. Yeah, that's just made up. It just gets that. back and forth. That's so cool. It's, it would be cool. And of course, if you're going to Game of Thrones, yeah. the first Samuel, you better be putting that in there. Or have you heard the uh, idea <laughs> that it's uh, uh, Jesus and Herod are Isaac and Esau? Because uh, Herod is an Edomian, which was an Edomite. Oh. And so Esau finally got the birthright, the throne, and God took it from him again. That's funny. Also, <laughs> also the, how would Ruth's sister, in the, the one that returned to the land to remarry? Yeah, but that's Moab. Yes, that's not, yeah. But he that's might on the other been. side of Israel. Yeah, but he's an exile. Remember? Yes, yeah, that's what it's built off of. Yeah. Okay. Logistics of this sound weak. Oh no, no, no! It's definitely not right. I well, just again, love the idea. Again, it's not something that's built out of a historical case. It's something that's built out of the Talmud, right? Yeah. Like out of yeah. tradition. Yeah, I I'm not love. saying they're not historically accurate, but at the same time, if this it shows prob- up, they're probably not. If it shows it's a historical Christ, rematch, I don't know. you know, yeah. historical rematches are cool like that. Yeah, yeah. All the right, Her- the Herod one was interesting, but yeah. So David is a uh, awesome. This is the guy that's going to reign over Israel soon. This is good. This is good. I'm excited about this. Yeah. So far, way better than Saul. Yeah. Well, Saul started off the same way. Mm-hmm. Let us not forget. But like less climactic. Less climactic. However, he does fight Nahash. Yeah. King of the Amorites. But he didn't cut anybody's head off. No. But he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. How are we feeling about the knee versus forehead thing? Because I actually don't know. and But I just think the knee thing's so cool. I think the falling forward is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The falling forward. Oh, wait. Is what other thought? Philistine fell forward and got his head removed? Dagon. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Anyway. My gods... I curse you in the name of my gods, and then mm. you'll be defeated like your gods. You'll be defeated like yeah. your gods. I'm surprised it doesn't remove the hands. He, that would, that he's would, not a. That would tie it together. <laughs> Got a hand. That would tie it together. That would make the the connection absolute. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Goliath. How like big guy? That's incredible. Big deal. Like that that whole fight. That is the most like. Seriously, like if the creators of Game of Thrones got with HBO again and they were like, hey, we're going to do the monarchs. We've we've referenced that a lot of like what it is one of the best like visual stories we have. Maybe it's because it's been illustrated so many times and it's been like it's in the mind of culture a little bit. Um, Who are you casting as David and who are you casting as as Goliath? In this is getting a little goofy, but still, I think it's kind of fun. Like in an HBO series. So he has. So you're Why gonna is HBO have, doing this? Well, because HBO does the best for like this kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Um, but like, so do you have? Because you have to have a young David, old like adult David, and then yeah. Grandpa David. I don't think you have to have Grandpa David for this one, do you? Because well, he gets to like eighty. Yeah, but you only need. I'm saying like just for the for this for this scene. Yeah. Ooh, the. I mean, by the time they make it, none of the actors around today will be 
16 year old kids. Fine. Who at what age would you want to play David? Because, <laughs> um, like, eventually, like, do you, he's going to find a way to not answer this question. No, no, no. Do you just get the guy who did Jon Snow to do David? No. Or, he's, he's short. So? It doesn't really matter. Well, you, you, you want to maximize the, like, what about the a young Keanu Reeves? No, no. he's he's too unemotional, just, and you I need a very emotional actor to play David. That's true. With the Psalms, because like if you're going like old King, yeah, David, then like, I mean, like the the, the people you what? just keep picturing are just like 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 the heroes, like the warrior in every movie, like Aragorn, yeah. Jon Snow. But he needs to be like a little bit more. Um, Early on and a little weaker. Like he needs time to buff up. Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac. The guy who plays. uh, He's Jewish. That could be. That could be. He's played Joseph in the Nativity Story. Great movie, by the way. Interesting. He's also played the guy in Moon Knight. Yeah. Uh, And uh, a slave of a Jewish king. He played a king. That's a little on the nose. He played a king. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. I was going to say like Timothy Chalamet just because he's already been in Dune. So Messiah imagery is like kind of Ooh, in his- what if what if <laughs> Timothy Timothy Chalamet plays young David? Yeah. Oscar Isaac plays old David. <laughs> they look nothing alike. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's terrible. Who do you get to play Saul? Um, who he he's he's got the he looks like a king. He's powerful. The guy who plays the emperor in um Foundation, who also plays Thranduil. I don't know. I was thinking. I was because thinking he's Christian, tall. Christian Bale. He looks older. like. I yes. think Christian Bale's an excellent choice. He could, however, the guy who plays the Emperor in Foundation, he often plays kings because he looks like one and like pathetic. Yeah, but like morally, Christ, Christian Bale, I think, could play. What are we doing? <laughs> he could, because yeah, I'm I'm completely missing his name. But Count Dooku uh, <laughs> should absolutely be Saul. I can't. What's his name? That's Samuel. What are you uh, talking about? He's angry enough and old enough. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, and he will cut somebody up in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Uh, That's a wild way to end the podcast. Oh, we're not ending the podcast. I still got to talk about who the rock's going to play. I mean, uh, Goliath. Oh, yeah. Who do you get to play the Goliath? Just rock. Just the, the rock. rock. Yeah. <laughs> Because he would do like he would get hit in the head and then do that little like eyebrow thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my take. Solomon would be the would be a interesting cast. Yeah, he's kind of pious. He's got he's got a little bit more of like an air about him, you know. Yeah, yeah. You've got to get somebody that's a bit more sly because he doesn't go to battle. He gets other people to fight for him. Ah, we'll just, ah, whatever. Just get Chris Pratt to play him. (laughs) (laughs) No. No. (laughs) You got to get somebody that like when they're young is doing like everything right. (laughs) Like they're like wise. But then later on in life, you start to see the like arrogance start to set in. And he starts to worship the other gods. So we need like a reverse Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Anyways, this has gotten it. I'm sorry. I spiraled this. We started talking about actors more than we did the thing. Chris Evans for David. No. <laughs> well, you don't want Captain America playing Captain Israel. <laughs> yeah, they'll have to do like a muscle, muscle reduction thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could. No. Hey, Joel, do you just want to end it? 
No, I, I, I'm I'm still stuck on who's playing Goliath. Anyways, yes, I do want to end it. <laughs> Thank you for listening this far into the episode. Um, I hope that you've drawn something from this. I know it's like a little bit of a highlight reel of the best battles in the Bible, which yeah. actually that sounds like a sick episode. Too. <laughs> Just going, this is a highlight reel of the best battles of the Bible. Oh, Anyways, no. um, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please get a hold of us on secondratesaints.com. We desperately need correction. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> concerns. All I'm thinking was like, guys, I think you're, uh, <laughs> your selection and casting is abysmal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Send us an email. Oh my goodness. I love who, who should Chris Pratt play in this? <laughs> I don't know. If you have any uh, casting choices for the story of David and Goliath, please email them to us at um, secondratesaints at gmail.com. Um, yeah, look out for what we're doing. We're putting stuff up online. We've got some cool projects in our our heads, but they're not yet on the internet. So keep an eye out is what all I'm saying. Is that is that fair to say, Caleb? I hope so. Uh, let's, just, let's just end it. Please, please. Oh.